Good morning, and welcome to our online worship service here at the Christian Church of Estes Park, where we're disciples of Jesus that build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. I'm Pastor Aaron, and I'm so happy to have you with us this morning as we continue our series on Living Hope. Now we prepare ourselves for the message and for the service. A couple of things that um, housekeeping we'd like to do. The first is why don't you take a couple minutes, a couple seconds actually, and uh, turn off all of your notifications, uh, all of those uh, uh, little things that maybe your email or your text or anything like that. Just turn those off. Maybe turn on do not disturb if you have that option. Uh, so for the next hour and a half, you'll be able to be uh, not distracted and uh, give your heart uh, to God in, in this time. That would be good. Also in that, as we prepare ourselves, some things that we have, we would encourage you to fill out our connection card. It really does help us uh, know how to pray for you and to serve you and to connect with all of our folks. So please take a moment to do that. You can find the connection card. It's, there's a link to that. It uh, should be in the chat. There's also it's on our website, funchurch.com, our homepage. Uh, you can fill it out there anytime during the message or even afterwards. We would really appreciate that. If you came uh, prepared to make an offering today, you can do that, of course, online, which is uh, the link should be... Uh, there on our website page, uh, funchurch.com. And uh, so there's that. Also, like all weeks, we uh, take our communion together. And so I encourage you to just take a couple minutes to go out to, if you haven't done so already and uh, get maybe some juice or some wine, maybe a, a bread or a cracker and have that ready. So when we get to the portion of our service for communion, you'll have that. Okay. And one more thing, uh, obviously we are working on, uh, not just doing online services, but we're excited to be able to be working towards uh, worshiping in person again and, and how we restart that up. So we want to hear from you. And so we've created a back in person form, which is, uh, we'd love, to, it's, it's a really short uh, survey. We'd like to hear from you uh, some of the ideas that we've had and to know kind of what to expect and as we make our plans to restart worship here in the building in person together. Uh, we'd appreciate that. So that's the back in person form. There should be a link in the, the, uh, uh, the chat as well, but uh, if you don't see it, just go to our webpage, uh, funchurch.com should be on the homepage. Appreciate that. Okay, well, with all of those things out of the way, let's uh, pray and then let's get to worshiping. Please join me. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your presence in this time and in all times. We love the fact that no matter what we face in life, we have living hope because we have you and you are a living God. So today, I pray that you would help us prepare our hearts to receive you, receive your word. Help us to commune with you and exit this time that we have closer in relationship with who you are, but also closer in our understanding of the joy that we have in, in having this amazing faith. And so, Lord, as we talk about doubt today, as we talk about faith today, open our hearts, prepare us uh, to grow in this time. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's worship. Well, uh, good morning, church. Uh, it's good to, good to have you all here with us. We're going to we're going to start in the worship um, just here in a few uh, moments. Um, just like Aaron said, uh, feel free. Um, we're going to take some communion and we're going to pray later. But feel free to grab that communion uh, cracker or bread or juice and uh, take those and make sure you have them for later. But let's get into worship. Let's praise our God. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies. 
If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains. He's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know just stay right. There's a better light. There's a better light. And you got to done this song a couple times. This talks about the living hope that we have in Christ. How great the chasm. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountains I could not climb. In desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living Lord. Who could imagine so 
Well, it's Missions Month here at the Christian Church of Estes Park, and so as we focus on our kingdom commitment, which is our 
uh, missions outreach at the church. We're going to be talking each Sunday throughout the month of May uh, about missions and focusing a little bit on our strategy and also the missionaries, the mission partners that we support. And as we begin that, it's important to remember really why we do this. What's our strategy? Well, the strategy at the Christian Church of Estes Park for Missions is comes to us from Acts 1-8, where Jesus told his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so in that, we see the power of missions, of course, as empowered by God, the Holy Spirit. And so it's important that we continue to pray for our missions and our missionaries, which we ask, of course, all of us to do. And in that Jesus also gives us three missionary fronts uh, in order to focus our mission strategy. And those are the very first one Jesus said that we would tell about uh, him in our Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, of course, for disciples was a local area. And for us, that is Estes Park. And that's what we talked about last week. The next front, he says, you'll tell him about him in Dru Judea and Samaria. And of course, that's the national focus. And then from the national, we get to go to international, to the ends of the earth. And so this morning, our focus is going to be on our kingdom commitment to our Judea and Samaria, which, for those of us in Estes Park, happens to be the United States of America, our national mission. So this morning, we're going to talk about our missionary support to our national uh, missionary partners. And so uh, we have four here at the Christian Church. We support Terry and Trudy Thompson, Kevin and Jennifer Domes, Camp Como, and I's International Demergency. Disaster Emergency Services. And so just a little briefly about each of those. So the first is uh, we'll be talking about our Terry and Trudy Thompson who uh, work with and the uh, iFace or Interface Ministries. And uh, the Lord has called Terry and Trudy Thompson to minister to international students from around the world as part of their campus ministries at the Colorado School of Mines, very close to us, uh, just down the hill in Golden, Colorado. Their goal is to share Christ's love and a message of hope to the approximately 400 or so students and families from an average of about 60 countries who attend the Colorado School of Mines each year. Now, many of those students come from places that are close to the gospel. And so the Thompsons also disciple and equip those who receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior to be his witnesses in their native cultures. A few of their ongoing ministry outreaches include the garage giveaway, the English, English classes, international Bible exploration time, and more. Now, the garage giveaway is a once-a-year event that is planned each August, and it's the Friday before classes start in the fall semester. It offers used household items gently and in good shape, uh, including small furniture and small appliances, free of charge to students for their families. And it's uh, free transportation for large furniture and items is provided to students' homes in the Golden Area. And it's a great way to show God's love, Christ's love, to students coming all the way across, halfway around the world oftentimes, to come and study. Uh, they also have conversational English classes for women that's held September through May on uh, Thursday mornings. And those classes seek to provide an opportunity for conversational English as well as uh, practical help in adapting to life in the United States and learning more about U.S. Uh, culture and what we're about, and also they help provide some child care. The International Bible Exploration Time is a time each Sunday morning where Christian and non-Christian uh, students are invited to attend. They focus on fellowship, worship, and the study of God's Word by allowing students the opportunity to practice their English, sing songs, and examine the Bible stories in small group settings. Uh, children also attend uh, classes for their own age groups during their Sunday school time, which run during the same time. It's the 
they meet as a local church. And in addition to this, they also have midweek and evangelism discipleship classes. Wonderful ministry uh, with our ministry partners there, the Thompsons. And I also, I forgot to mention uh, the daughter, Taya, which we need to get a picture of her. All right, the next one we have here is uh, Ken, uh, Kevin and Jennifer Domes. And they work uh, in, uh, as missionary, local national missionaries for In Faith uh, Missions. And it's an American mission outreach. And right now they are stationed at Bethel Bible Conference there in Wellfleet, Nebraska. Now, uh, Kevin and Jennifer Domes have uh, ties to our church, Christian Church of Estes Park. Uh, Jennifer was actually grew up here at the Christian Church of Estes Park and uh, met Kevin and started their ministry track. Uh, now, the In Faith uh, enables and calls committed followers of Christ to serve with a purpose and passion with, uh, within our national borders. Bethel Bible Conference is a Bible camp for youth of all faith. Uh, the program features Bible studies, classes, and evening services, along with uh, recreational activities. Uh, we had a missions plan to go out there and help set the camp up for the summer's uh, uh, services, but with the pandemic, of course, that had to be put on hold for a while, and the camp actually had to put their uh, regular programming on hold. So continue to pray for them as they prepare for then how to minister in the post-pandemic culture. And so that's the Kevin and Jennifer Domes. Uh, camp Como is a Christian service camp located in Como, Colorado. In 1962, the Colorado Christian Service Camp Incorporated began a corporation purchased by uh, uh, of several different missions organizations to start a Christian youth ministry. Today, that uh, the Christian ministry is now Camp Como and offers, seven, uh, offers summer residential camps, off-site uh, adventure camps, and year-round retreat facilities. And they're located uh, about 45 minutes from Breckenridge in Summit County. Um, camp Como is also steeped in Colorado history. The original ranch house was built from cut logs in 1886 and is available today for residential camper lodging. Uh, we call it the Homestead Cabin. It's that 1840s uh, camp there. Uh, camp Como has a long history of not just serving uh, the local youth in Colorado as a summer camp, but also uh, for students across the United States. And we know the power of camping, uh, Christian camping, to help young people grow closer to Christ in their walk. So we're proud to be a sponsor and a supporter of Camp Como. We also support IDES, which is International Disaster Emergency Services. Uh, IDES is uh, a organization that is headquartered in Noblesville, Indiana, and they have a real focus as working as part of cr the Christian Church's um, response to disasters, um, such as hurricanes and tornadoes and things like that. When we had a flood here, IDES sent uh, a lot of work, truckloads of food, and a lot of support for our church and our community. They also provide medical relief, hunger relief, and community development all around the world. Uh, just some amazing stuff that IDES does. And so when you support missions at the Christian Church, when you're part of our kingdom commitment, your funds go directly to support some of these ministries, part of our uh, Judea and Samaria. So how do you invest in missions at the Christian Church of Estes Park? Well, it's pretty easy. First and probably the best way to do it is online. If you're comfortable to do it, we have a safe and convenient uh, 
giving uh, platform that you can reach. You can find it at funchurch.com and forward slash give, or just go to our main page, funchurch.com, and look for the Give button. As you make your offering, make sure that you select uh, missions in the drop-down box, and 100% of those funds go to our missionaries. Another way, of course, is you can mail in your donation at this time to Christian Church of Estes Park. We're located here at 4655 U.S. Highway 36 here in Estes Park, Colorado, 80517. If you do make a donation that way, make sure you put in the memo line uh, missions so we know to dedicate those funds and drive them. 100% of them go to our mission support. Uh, Third way that we also support missions is our fifth Sunday, which uh, every fifth Sunday throughout the year, uh, whether the fifth Sunday of the month, we take a special missions offering. And so our next uh, missions offering is going to be taken up at the end of this month, May 31st, and that happens to be the last offering that will be taken for our 2020 missions budget. And so that uh, today talks about our missions for the Christian Church of Estes Park. Uh, Next week, we'll talk about our international missions. Uh, Until then, please continue to pray for our missions, and thank you for the support. God bless. We're going to go into prayer now, and uh, even though we're at home, even though we're apart, we're going to pray together this morning. And so as we pray uh, this morning, we're thinking about prayer requests that you might have. Um, And uh, as we take just a a moment, uh, just a little bit of time to pray in our homes, uh, to pray around this community, um, if you have prayer requests that you would like others to pray about, that you would like our our church to pray about, um, let's do that uh, now. Let's, uh, Let's put those in the comments if you have something that you would like to put in the comments so that we can all pray. Uh, for that thing. Go ahead and put it in the comments, and we'll we'll lift those things up um, together, uh, even though we're apart this morning. Um, and then after we do that, we're also going to have uh, a time of responsive prayer. We're going to pray about a, a few specific things. But before we do that, let's just take uh, a few moments and pray. As we continue in prayer this morning, uh, we're going to pray about a, a, spe- a few specific things uh, together in this responsive prayer time. And first, we're going to lift uh, someone up. We're just going to think of those names in our mind that, um, that we have, uh, who, uh, those who need a Savior. Maybe, maybe it's um, someone that we've been thinking about for a long time. Uh, maybe it's someone who has grown up in church and uh, has just walked away and, um, and, uh, and just needs to come back to Christ. Uh, whatever it may be, 
Let's think of that person and let's pray for them now. Next, we uh, want to lift up uh, those that we know who are going through um, difficulty, difficult time in their lives, and um, we just want to lift them uh, to our Lord. Uh, Maybe we're that person, maybe we know family who's going through a rough time, take a few moments to do that. And next, we're going to lift up uh, land in the building for our church. Uh, we know that God has given us a vision to move into town and uh, to uh, be his light uh, there uh, in town. And so uh, we want to lift up, as we do every week, just uh, the land in a building and uh, ask God for his perfect timing in that. Let's do that. God, we also, we want to pray for, um, we want to pray for our church. Uh, We want to lift up um, our church, especially in this time as we think about how to reopen uh, the doors um, so we can meet in person. Um, And uh, we want to pray uh, for that uh, specifically, but also that we would continue to worship uh, God with uh, our time, our talent our treasure and everything that we do, that we put him in the center. So let's just take a few moments and lift up our church now. And as we continue uh, to pray, uh, I want us to just take a few moments. If you don't have a cracker, if you don't have juice yet, feel free to go grab those things. And we're just going to, um, in just a, a few moments here, we're going to take communion together.
Mark 14, starting in verse 22, says this, while they were eating, Jesus took a piece of bread and gave a prayer of thanks, and he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take it. This is my body. We're going to take this this morning in remembrance of our God. Then he took a cup, gave thanks to God, and handed it to them, and they all drank from it. And Jesus said, this is my blood, which is poured out for many. My blood, which seals God's covenant. Um, Let's take this juice together this morning and thank God for what he's done for us. God, again, we thank, give you thanks. We praise you for your love for us. While we were yet sinners, it says that you died for us. Um, even when we were still broken, even uh, when uh, we were still sinners, God. And we know how much you care for us. Uh, even um, even when we uh, don't trust in you, even we, when we don't look to you, God, you're always there. Uh, and you're always calling us uh, to you, to draw near. God, as we continue this service, I pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts Uh, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, and welcome to Christian Church of Estes Park. I'm so happy to have you with me today as we continue our series on uh, living hope as we uh, continue uh, talking about how we have living hope amidst of all of life's uh, circumstances, and today we're going to talk about how we have living hope even amidst doubt. And uh, this is a very special day for me because I actually have real people, fewer than 10 socially distanced folks here in the church, and I'm so happy that I get to preach with other people. So thank you for our band for being here today, and I'm thankful you being with us. As we begin today's message, um, I'm going to try to find where I'm supposed to stand, uh, and so I think we're all right. Uh, we are trying some new things, getting used to uh, how we can begin reintegrating back. So there we go. Um, As my message comes up, as you'll see, we'll be uh, continuing the series on Living Hope, uh, talking about uh, not just um, how we overcome doubt, but really what the sources of those doubts really are. And, uh, you know, faith is really easy when life is good, (laughs) but it's hard when life is hard. And that's really when doubt comes in. And I would say, if anything, this uh, last few months have been difficult. It's been a difficult, hard time. I've heard people say it's been a dark valley. And we're going to talk about that today. So uh, I know that many, maybe in the midst of these difficult times, have had doubts seep in. And so we really want to talk about that. Now, doubt itself, oftentimes, is seen as a bad thing, but it doesn't have to be. Doubt can actually be one of the best things that helps our faith grow. And so as we cover that today, we want to start by, um, of course, focusing first on our memory verse that we've had for this entire series, Romans chapter 8, verse 18, which says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And isn't that great that our present sufferings, even today, even these last few months, not worth comparing with what God has for us. So uh, let's say that together as we uh, begin setting this into our, here we go. I consider that our present sufferings 
are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Romans 8, 18. Very good. I could actually hear people. That's so wonderful. Here we go. Again, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Romans 8, 18. All right, one more time because it's so wonderful. Such good news. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Romans 8, 18. Now, through this time, it's so important that we remember that, that today is not forever. And what we're going through right now is not going to last. But the God who is with us in the midst of this will last. And uh, the glory that he has set before us is so worth it. Uh, So that hope, uh, may it stick with you as we go into today's message. If you have your Bibles, please turn them to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. Now, as you turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, let me give you a little bit of context as to what we'll be uh, covering here in this particular message. Right before the story we'll read today, we see that uh, there was John and uh, uh, James and Peter and Jesus went to a mountain, went to the mountaintop, and uh, Jesus had this incredible moment uh, where he was trans, what they call a transfiguration. Uh, his skin started to shine brightly. Uh, he was shown in his glory. Uh, God the Father spoke. Uh, came down and said, this is my son, whom I'm well pleased in. Listen to him, right? You have uh, 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 two prophets from the Old Testament show up. You have Elisha and Moses show up, and they're talking with Jesus. It's an amazing thing. And you have Peter uh, says, hey, let's even build a a place for you. And as they do that, uh, we have, um, uh, you know, then everything kind of lifts and uh, you have the apostles are still standing there, James and, and uh, Peter, and, and you have a, uh, a John there, and they're just amazed because they just saw God reveal himself, Christ revealed in his glory, which would build faith, right? That, so here on the mountaintop, you have these guys, they have their faith confirmed, it's an amazing thing. And so now they come down off of that mountaintop, and they go down off that mountaintop into a valley where they walk into a real mess where we pick up today's story. So the story we begin starts in uh, Mark, four, uh, starting in verse 14. So if you're a Bible, you want to make sure that you're reading that. And I'm going to read on screen to make sure that I'm reading with you guys. And it says this, When they came to, with the, to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. And a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has been robbed him of speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him on the ground and he foams at the mouth and he gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Now this was... Uh, this man, he went to the disciples to heal his son. The, the word had gotten out that Jesus and his disciples had the ability to cast out demons. And, and indeed, the disciples even had the ability to cast out most demons. And that's what they were doing. And so this man goes to, full of faith, and he takes his son. He, he wants his son to be healed. And then the disciples can't. And you can imagine the doubt this man would have felt, his faced. The difficulty, his hope had crushed. And then we find that uh, 
he, not only does he have a difficult time, but we read in that first part that there was a bunch of people, including a bunch of the scholars were there, the religious people were there, I'm sure talking about why the disciples, they shouldn't be doing this, they didn't have the authority or the power to do this, and so he had a lot of things really coming against him. And so Jesus walks in the midst of this mess, and then he responds, starting in verse 19, and again we'll read on there, it says, words of Jesus, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, when he immediately threw the boy into a convulsion, they fell onto the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Talk about a mess. I think sometimes in, in the midst of our life when we have struggles, when we, we face doubts, when things don't go the way that we should, uh, it doesn't just seem as bad, but then it goes from bad to worse. It was bad enough that the boy couldn't be healed. It's even worse now, surrounded by all kinds of people. He's now, his son, his mouth is uh, filled with foam and he's rolling around on the ground and it's, it's a spectacle in front of all the people. I mean, this was the very thing the father came to get healing from. But that's not the end of the story. Verse 21 and 22, we have this. Jesus wants to do a little in inquisition. He figures out what happens. He, he says, says, Jesus asked the father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It is often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now in there, I, I think... There was the, the first thing, if you can. And Jesus picked up on that. But I think oftentimes in the midst of our trials, it's not uh, oftentimes wondering, does God have the ability to do something? But will God do something in our life? And when we pray, we see other people get, get healings, because I guarantee that that father showed up that day and he saw other people be healed. And he saw other people have demons cast out of them. But why not his son? And I think it's an honest question, if you can. Will you do this? The father has doubt. And that was the if. Will God respond? Will God work? And I think at that point, he actually had questions that Jesus had the power to do it. I mean, his disciples, apparently, couldn't cast out this demon. And so, Jesus... He didn't like the doubt. He didn't want this man to continue perpetually live in this doubt. And so he addresses it straight up. And I think it's, it's kind of humorous how he does this. Like, Jesus begins, he starts, he says, if you can, it almost took him off guard. What do you mean if I can? I was just transfigured. If you can, said Jesus. Everything is possible for the one who believes. But Jesus turned it around. He took this father's honest and reasonable doubt, and he begins by answering it. He says the answer to this doubt has something to do not with, with the man, but with God's power. Everything is possible, if I can. And so there was something to it, but also there was something that he said to the Father. In spite of your doubts, you're going to need to believe. In spite of what just happened, and in spite of all these past years of difficulty, you need to believe. And so we find, I think, one of the most honest prayers in all of Scripture. The very next passage. It says, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. Have you ever been there? I mean, you're staying with the Messiah is there, full of power, full of grace. 
Anything's possible for those who believe. The father's like, I, I need this. My son needs this. I believe. I'll, I'll do anything. I believe. But he's honest with his doubt. Help me. Help me overcome my unbelief. In the midst of that moment, how he turns to God and not just saying, well, fine, you, how can I believe? Which I think was an answer to a lot of people when they get to that point in life and it doesn't seem like God came through the way that they thought he should. They say, well, how can I believe? And they walk away. And this man says, my desire, I do believe. I'm here. I'm choosing to trust, but you've got to help me. And look at how Jesus responds, because this shows the heart of our Savior, I think in a unique and powerful way, how different he is than I think oftentimes we, we like to paint him in this. He says this, Jesus saw the crowd, and it was running to the scene, and he rebuked the impure spirit. Right? He, just looks, and he says, you deaf and mute spirit. He's like, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieked and convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, well, this kind can only come out by prayer. And so the father, he demonstrates belief. In spite of the doubt that he has in his mind, he demonstrates enough belief by asking Jesus, help me with this. I'm going to trust you. Just this one more time, I'm going to trust you. And so he does. And so belief is trusting our faith in spite of our doubts. I think oftentimes we think of belief as being the absence of doubt, and that's not true. Belief is an, is an action of faith, and that's what it is. It's an assent of the will of the mind. It's saying, I'm choosing to trust in spite of all of the doubts that I have, some reasonable, some maybe not, but I'm choosing to trust. That is what belief is. And it's an expression of faith. And Jesus said to the man, the father, <laughs> for those who believe, to those who choose to trust, in spite of everything else, to say to God, I'm going to trust you. Help me. And so he does. And the father's belief was enough to spur Jesus' healing. If the father said to Jesus, how can I believe? and just walked away, his boy would have probably died by a demon. But the father had enough to say, I'm going to trust you. You've got to help me, but I'm going to trust you. And then later on, we see the, the, the disciples come back to Jesus and say, how come we couldn't do that? Why didn't we have the power to do this? And Jesus tells them, listen, there's more going on to this than you possibly could have known. Now, how are the disciples supposed to know that this particular kind of demon can only come out by prayer? It's not like demons come with an owner's manual, right? It's not like you come there like, oh, okay, this one's by prayer, this one's by holy water, whatever. It doesn't have that that way. They just have, they, they just had possessed people. And so the disciples knew how to cast out most demons. This one particularly had to come out by prayer. Why? I don't know. Jesus didn't explain. But it says this, that oftentimes in life, more things are happening than we can possibly understand, <laughs> but we can trust God. And the crazy and amazing cool thing is that Jesus was there. So even when we don't understand, <laughs> Jesus shows up and he knows exactly what needs to take place. And of course, Jesus comes through. And so uh, Jesus points out one of the reasons why this didn't come through, you're trying to do it in your inner power. When it didn't work, you guys gave up. You're like, I don't know. And Jesus said, listen, you can pray. And when you've gone to the end, you've done everything you know how to do, you know you can still pray. 
They could have asked God <laughs> help. And so and there's a lot in that, in that uh, story. And I actually talked about the story a couple of years ago. We talked about doubt. I just think this is the best story in Scripture that discusses how we can handle doubt. And so in this story, there are five key truths about doubt we're going to point out, and then we're going to talk about some of the major doubts that people have and how we can overcome them. So five key truths about doubt that we have is the first one is that it's easy to have faith in the mountaintop, right? When, when you see the transfiguration, when you see God in his glory, when God shows up in power in your life, right? When you're on the mountaintop, it's easy to have faith. And oftentimes we have those in our lives, right? We, there are times in our life when we, we sense God's grace, his, his presence. We maybe have a miracle in our life. He, he allows us, he empowers us in a particular way. In those times when God is very felt and he's very obvious to us, right? Like the apostles, it's easy to have faith. And doubt's not really there. And that's part of the Christian experience. There are times in our lives when we have those mountaintop experiences, and those are very real. And in those times, oftentimes the, 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 the trouble of doubt isn't something that plagues us. But just as true as there's mountaintops, there's also valleys. Because there really aren't any mountains if there aren't valleys. And so in the valley, when we go into those dark times in life, when things are difficult, when we don't see God in his power, when things aren't working our way, when life is difficult, hard, painful, it's hard not to have doubt. And I phrased it that way particularly. You can still have faith in the valley, but you will probably also have doubt in the valley as well. And if you have doubt in the valley, it doesn't make you a broken person or a bad Christian. It means you're in the valley. And it's going to be difficult. To, you're going to have to struggle with, with doubt. That's okay. The second thing that we find in this is, is that doubt is a, is a sign that there's a broken connection with God, right? And it doesn't mean that uh, when we get to heaven, we're not going to have those separations at times of valley, right? We'll be able to see God with our own eyes. It, faith will be very easy there. In fact, it's something that's not even be needed when we, what comes next, the glory that's coming when we talk about that far surpasses, outweighs all the troubles that we're going through today. It'll be a great day when faith isn't needed. But today, because of the brokenness of this world, we sense separation between us and God. Even though it's our Christians, right? We're in a broken world. We don't see God with our own eyes today. And so when we see and we feel and we suffer from the, 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 the brokenness, the, the pain of this world, right? That, if those are the valleys of life that's caused by the brokenness that sin brought into this universe. That is when we find out. And so oftentimes we ascribe to God not caring or God being mean. What does God call, uh, uh, cause good people to suffer? I've heard that said. God doesn't cause good people to suffer. God has allowed us to run rampant with his, his creation and to break it and to slice each other with the, break, uh, the jagged edges. <laughs> He'll allow that, our freedom, but he, doesn't, he hasn't abandoned us, even when we don't see him. But when we face doubt, Oftentimes it's because we're suffering, and we're suffering because this world is broken. That's why we need a Savior. So if you are suffering in the midst of doubt, the thing that you need to do most is not run away from God, but to run towards Him. And so when we recognize when doubt comes into our, our lives, when we start sensing that, there's, there's doubts that are in there, the solution is not to turn from Christ or turn from God, but to recognize the cause of the doubt is not God nor His absence. The cause is the sin and the brokenness which He came to save us from. The third thing I love from this passage is so good is that my doubts can limit God's power in my life, right? Jesus doesn't require perfect faith, but he does require belief. And those are important terms in there that 
Doubts limit God's power in my life, not God's power. Jesus was never limited. Jesus was never limited. Jesus had the ability to cast that demon out at any point from anywhere in the universe. The reason that, uh, the, that I say it can limit God's power in our life, say the father said to Jesus, how can I have faith? And he walks away. Well, then he would have removed himself from having the ability for God to work in his life. The father's belief did not cast out the demon. Jesus and his power cast out the demon. The belief allowed the father to stand there so that Jesus could cast out the demon. You see that? Belief is what allows us to go to God so we can receive the help when we need it. And so doubt oftentimes causes us to believe that that God isn't there, so we walk away from him, and that's when we don't receive his power and his mercy because we're not with him. And so Jesus doesn't require perfect faith. And so there's a difference between faith. Faith is trusting in God. Faith is, is, is that uh, intangible. It's, it's to say to God, I'm, I'm trusting with my entire life. I have faith. I know they're going to do this. Belief is the mental assent to that. Belief is that faith expressed. And none of us have perfect faith. None of us truly understand every, all the mysteries of the universe. We know that our God does, and he's bigger than them. And in spite of our doubts that we have, we can express our belief. He, he requires belief. He, he requires us to say, I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to express my faith so that you have access to my life. And that's huge. Look at what the boy's father did there. As he said, all right, I'm going to come to Christ. I'm going to allow you to have access to my son this one time. All right, one more time. And Jesus said, you know, anything's possible. You just have to believe. Why? Because it's not the, the man did anything. It's anything possible for God. The fourth truth that we have in there is that prayer is powerful. It's powerful. Some demons can't come out except by prayer. How would we know that? Because Jesus said, but how would they have done that before? They wouldn't have. But it does know this, that Jesus said that when we pray, it brings power. Things happen that normally we wouldn't be able to have happen. And so he says, you know what, Dad? I'm going to, uh, you need to pray. When, you, when it doesn't seem like things are working, this is the time to talk to God. In fact, we don't have to wait for things not to work. Why not just go to God? And we've seen God do such amazing things in this church. Like when I ask you guys to send in your prayer requests, and pretty soon when you come back with your connection cards and you have your prayer requests and you write them down and we pray, isn't it awesome how every single week it seems like there's just somebody saying, Thank you for praying. God did this amazing thing. God works. He's, he's not some, you know, fairy tale. God is real, and his power is real. So we have this, uh, let's talk about uh, some of the things that uh, we have that cause uh, doubt, how we have these doubts, and, then, and how do we conquer them. The first thing we have as far as a doubt and how we can conquer it, uh, there is that we have difficult circumstances. In our lives, when things are hard, that's one of the biggest times that we find people are facing doubt. At least in my pastoral ministry, when I counsel with people and they're struggling with doubt, oftentimes it's because they're going through a hard time, kind of like a pandemic. When, when, when life is harshly unfair, that's oftentimes when doubts come in there. And, and sometimes people doubt God's presence, 
Sometimes they doubt God's ca- um, power. But oftentimes, as far as Christians, most of the time they're like, no, I, God know, I know God's present. I know he's powerful. I just don't think that he loves me, right? I don't think that he cares. Uh, because in the midst of their time, they're crying out to God. They're crying out to their whole Heavenly Father. And they're like, why are you not helping? And they don't see anything happening. And it's times like that's when doubt comes in. And so oftentimes we do, we doubt God's love. Does God really care about me? We doubt God's character. Is God really good? I've had Christians say this, right? I've done all these great things for God. He should save me. He should help. I didn't deserve this. And all that's true. Doubt comes oftentimes with difficult circumstances. So when you go into a time of trial, when you go into a time of pain, don't don't be surprised if you have some of these thoughts, these doubts that come in. And realize that when you go into these things, that there's two plans at work. You have the devil's plan, and you have God's plan for you in the midst of hardship. And the devil's plan is to cause you pain. And I don't know why the devil hates us so much. Maybe it's because we're made in God's image. I don't know, but he does. And he likes it. It says his plan is to steal or everything, to kill and to destroy. That's what he does. And so when we come into times of pain, recognize that there's an enemy of your soul who wants to see you destroyed. He wants to see you, you, you killed. He wants to see you suffer. That's the way he is. He's a rat. And so his plan is to go into to just cause pain. And he wants that pain to cause a wedge between you and God. He wants you to, to put God on, uh, on trial. And he wants you to say to God, you're guilty because you have allowed me to suffer. And so you walk away from God and you'll be guilty of the same sin the devil was guilty of. And when we suffer, that's a temptation, isn't it? To say, how can I trust? How can I have faith? How can I stick with you, God, if you treat your people this way? That's the devil's plan. And it's a trap. Because oftentimes then we walk away from the God who has the power to, to help us, to cure us. Now there's another planet place, though, and that's God's plan. And God's plan in the midst of this broken world wasn't to abandon us in the midst of our suffering and pain. Because let's remember, God didn't cause any of the suffering and pain. We did. God created paradise. He created a perfect world for us to be within, and it was awesome. And we hijacked it. And that's when sin and death and pain came in. And God is making a new place for us, which is also even a better paradise, where there's not going to be suffering or pain. God doesn't create pain like this. We do. And we suffer. But God's plan isn't to leave us in the midst of the mess of our own suffering. He wants to redeem the suffering. And God uses this, like we talked about last week, to allow every trial, every hardship, to treat it as discipline so that it grows us in our faith. God's plan is to redeem the suffering. Whatever that we go through, that he uses it. And that's basically what our memory verse talks about. That the difficult things we have in life, God will not waste that. It's not as though he's saying, well, I'm just going to allow you to suffer in this life. He's, I'm going to allow you to, I'm going to build, I'm going to use that suffering to grow you and to, to, to shape you into an amazing uh, warrior in the kingdom, an amazing servant of his, uh, that he's going to use it to do amazing, glorious things. Oftentimes when we suffer, our compassion grows, doesn't it? I mean, who better to have compassion on suffering people than a person who suffered themselves? If you've ever lost somebody that you love and you've truly grieved, then you know how to comfort somebody else who's in grief. If you've gone through a time of, of, of sickness, then you're probably a person that's going to be more compassionate, able to cure and, and help us, 
you know, stand by those and minister to those who are suffering with illness. If you've gone through the pain of divorce or you've gone through the pain of, of, uh, of bankruptcy, you've gone through the pain of failure, you're going to be so much better equipped to help others in the midst of their brokenness because you're not going to be prideful. And you know the pain itself. And God redeems it. And He uses it powerfully. And oftentimes our ministries are increased not in spite of the things we suffer, but because of them. Precisely because of them. Mark 9.23, we read this, it said, Jesus said, everything is possible for the one who believes. I think oftentimes we think in our life, how could God possibly use this brokenness? Some things are, are sins that we've done ourselves, and, and we think, well, I deserve the, you know, it was bad. How could God possibly use that? If you give it to God, He will use it, even your mistakes. And sometimes you think this situation is so broken, so awful, so unfair. How could God possibly use it? But if you bring it to Him like the Father, I believe, help me believe. <laughs> God can use our brokenness, our suffering, the injustice of this world, the hardships that you go through. Bring them to Him. God can use anything. And turn it around for glory. I mean, he can even take a dead person and make him alive. He can do anything. So if you're facing difficult circumstances, there's some things that we need to do. And I started doing these my own self when I was going through some hard times a few years back. And I was really struggling with doubt. The first thing was to do is to consider, are these actually consequences, right? Because sometimes we suffer not because just the unfairness of the world or because just the, the life is hard or because of another sin of another person. Sometimes I, I'm suffering because I did something stupid, right? And those are, those are uh, consequences. So, you know, if I'm going through something like if I'm going through a bankruptcy because, you know, I went out gambling on my money every single day, well, then probably those are consequences that are <laughs> that I brought on. And so the first thing I need to do is to bring that suffering, not saying, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? But I bring my, myself to God and I say, how can I change? <laughs> right? I need to turn from this thing that's causing pain in my life. And so that's one way that God allows the pain to turn us because something hard, that, something that's not good in our life that we're doing, the pain now becomes there. And God says that that's our motivation. <laughs> He'll help us use that to help us change. And that gives us the, the, the ability to repent. And so if you're facing pain today and it's something that you brought on, be honest with yourself about that. God already knows and he doesn't reject you, but use it as an opportunity to repent so you can walk away from the things that are bringing death into your life. After you've considered those, sometimes you do and you're looking about things, you're like, no, these are not consequences. This is just something that just happened in my life. I didn't invite it. It's not anything that I did to bring this into my life, right? This is not a consequence. This is just lousy. Kind of like a pandemic, right? Like as far as most of us know, we weren't going around, you know, you know, licking sick people and, and all that kind of stuff. We didn't bring this on. It kind of came into our lives and now our businesses are shut down and, you know, we're stuck at home. If it's something like that, then what we have to do is cling to God's word. Trust him. Because you're going to have two testimonies. You're going to have the testimony of the word that's going to tell you a truth about God, that he's good and he's powerful and he redeems things. And you're going to have the testimony of your current circumstances that's going to tell you that, that God's absent and things are bad and he doesn't care. Which are you going to listen to? Well, your testimony is going to change, right? Because it changes from when the mountaintop and the valley. So you're not a good a reliable source. The word of God is timeless and true. In the midst of life, when it gets hard... Trust God's word and how he's revealed himself throughout the ages. Trust the big picture of the word of God. 
so that you can go to him like this boy's father did and said, in midst of, despite everything else right now that I see, my circumstance, I'm going to trust what I know of you, Messiah. But you need to help me. So cling to his word. And that's a confession. That's a faith that is being expressed by a confession. You will say, I'm identifying with you, God. I'm going to trust you even with this. As we confess, as we begin to turn to God, then the thing we need to do is pray because there's power in prayer. Prayer is not just talking to a wall. It's not just giving God your wish list. It's connecting to the very power of God itself, himself in your life. So tell God about it. Tell God, this is what I need. This is why I'm hurting. This is why it's so difficult. This is what I think I need. This is how the help that I need. Tell him. This is what the, the boy's father did. I believe. Help me believe. He prayed. And it doesn't have to be an eloquent prayer. Sometimes it's just, ah, help. And God hears. In fact, it says the Holy Spirit prays for us with words we don't even understand, but he prays the things we absolutely do need. So just have enough to go to God and say, help. Talk to him. And as you do that, even if it doesn't feel like he's listening to you, our God hears. He listens because he's present. And as you pray, then we need to connect. God gave us his Holy Spirit, but he's also given us his holy church. The body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the, the servants of Christ, the kingdom of Christ on this earth. And it tells us in his word, it says that we are to share one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. That's for us. Well, we can't share one another's burdens if no one's sharing burdens. And all of us have burdens to share. Let's be honest. And you can't share burdens if there's no one to share them with. So that's why we need to be together. That's why church and community is one of the reasons it's so important. We need to, to go to the family and other people will pray for you. And other people will encourage you. And other people will love you in the midst of this. And some of them will drive you nuts and, the, and at least will, will uh, make you, uh, distract you from the problem for a time. That's a ministry too. <laughs> but Christians come together. And as a family, we help one another through this life so that no one is left behind. So the first thing we do is that we recognize that one of the biggest doubts is difficult circumstances. And I think that is very profound and true for right now. And so in this, make sure that you're checking. Is this from me? If it is, then turn to God, pray, right, and connect. Receive that help. And that's why we have our connection card. That's why we have the church community. Let's connect. The second cause of doubt, the big one that we have, are intellectual arguments. Christians are people of truth. Truth matters to us. We follow a God who himself claims that he is truth. And truth is that which corresponds to reality. God, Jesus, made reality. So everything corresponds to what he has to say. Truth matters to us. We don't want to believe lies. We don't want to believe fairy tales. We don't want that. Christians are people of truth. And so when a true-sounding argument is made against our faith, it causes doubt. It does. And I think this is what happened to the father in the story here. He brought his son to the disciples to be healed, and the disciples couldn't heal him. And who else was there to, to tell him why it didn't happen? A bunch of religious leaders that were opposed to Jesus. But I'm sure there were scholars, there were religious lawyers. They were able to point out all the reasons why they would think that this man, that the disciples shouldn't have any ability to cast out demons. I'm sure they made some good arguments. It causes faith. Uh, it causes doubt. 
And so some of the greatest uh, Christians, when you go into times when, when there are intellectual arguments that you cannot answer and it causes doubt, recognize you're not alone. Some of the greatest Christian thinkers throughout history started out as skeptics. I mean, think of uh, C.S. Lewis, a well-known one. He was a, a Cambridge professor, very opposed to God, especially after he saw all of the troubles with the wars. And yet, in his attempts to disprove God, he came to a great faith and became one of the strongest defenders of the Christian faith. American, uh, just a few decades ago, is another one, a guy named Josh McDowell. He was an atheist researcher. He set out to disprove God because of the pain and the things that he's had in his life and all of the intellectual questions, and he discovered God is real. More recently, a, a, gen- a gentleman by the name of Lee Strobel, he was a legal reporter for a, famous, a, a large newspaper thing. He was definitely not a Christian. His wife became a Christian. He went out to disprove the faith so he could win his wife away from Christianity because he thought it was ridiculous. And in his studies and his research, he discovered that actually the Christian faith is based upon truth and has become, in our current uh, culture today, one of our greatest defenders of faith. But there, that uh, when we press into truth, we will find God. Our faith proves itself to be true. And I, that was in my life. This was the intellectual argument. It was a major, major cause of my own doubt, which actually eventually brought me to faith. And so if you're facing intellectual doubt, here's some things to do. And these come from my own personal experience. The first one is don't panic. Right? If you have a, hear an argument that's just, that you can't answer, don't be like, oh, no, because I can't solve this, this answer this argument, then it must, there must be no answer. That's ridiculous because you don't know everything. I don't know everything. Don't panic. You're not the only one. Answers are out there. <laughs> So if you hear one and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do, know this. God is real and God is reasonable and there is an answer, so don't panic. I think the second thing you got to do is approach your doubt honestly. If we do ourselves no good and we say, well, I don't, I don't know how to answer that, so I'm just going to pretend that that question doesn't exist because it does. It's going to be in your mind. If it really is bothering you, be honest about it. You can come. God's bigger than your doubts. I mean, look at the father of this boy who, who his own son couldn't be healed. And what did he do? He went, to the fi- he went to Jesus and said, I brought my son and your disciples couldn't heal him. Right? Still came. And then Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. Come on. You know, I can do this. Approach your doubts honestly. When we approach honestly, then we can hear God's answers for us. And know that, that truth is not in a popularity contest right? It, truth is not just because a bunch of other people believe that it's true. It's not what makes something true, despite what a lot of people in culture think. Truth is what actually corresponds to reality. And sometimes reality is not a very popular concept. And so we want to be honest with our questions and our doubts and say, what is real? What does God actually have to say? And as you go through that and you're honest with your doubts and you say to God, I have these very legitimate questions I don't know how to answer, talk to him. Pray. And it says if you pray for wisdom and then you honestly seek support from your pastors or mentors or other people in your, uh, that you know you respect their faith and you go talk to them, uh, you're going to find that oftentimes these questions that you have are, have been answered sometimes thousands of years earlier because you're probably not the first person that came across these. And as you answer those, start with things that you do know and build from there. As you, as you have your faith rebuilt, start with stuff you know. So... Uh, for, for us, we say um, personal testimony is a great place to start. For a lot of us, there was a time in our lives when we were on the mountaintop. There's a time in our lives that we saw God work in our own lives, that we felt his presence, we saw his work. 
Though that's just as real as your question is too, right? Start with what you know. There are prayers that you've had that I'm sure have been answered. Start there. You start with what you know, and then you can build from there into stuff that maybe that you didn't know. And those are going to be things like we call apologetics, which is the, the academic defense of faith that you can then start studying, asking other people, asking me, with, uh, looking for those solutions, maybe things that you didn't understand in the past, then you can build those in. But start with your own personal faith, your own relationship with God first, and build from there. Okay, so intellectual arguments is the second one, cause of doubt. The third one that we have is imperfect Christians, and this one is probably the most common in our culture, uh, that at least one I hear so much, is that that uh, we have people who say, well, I don't believe because I know these Christians are a bunch of hi- hypocrites. So how can I possibly follow Christ because some of his followers are imperfect? Well, yeah, we're, we're imperfect. And a lot of people have their faith shaken uh, when a Christian lets them down. Maybe it was you went to a school and, you know, the, the, or the Christian school and the, or the teachers there weren't great to you or the students weren't great to you. or Maybe you had a friend that was a Christian that betrayed you or a boss that was awful or something like that. And the reason we have doubt because we have imperfect Christians because Christians, we represent Christ. We are his representatives. And so people attribute to Christ our actions. So how we live is a testimony to the world. That's how God set it up. And so when we act right and we have a good testimony, then we point people rightly to Jesus and it helps them grow. But when we have a bad testimony and we live poorly, it turns people away from God, right? And so... uh, Oftentimes, then, if, if when we fail, and inevitably all Christians, we do fail, it can cause other people to have doubts. And so that's why we take it seriously, how we live. And so sinful, selfish, and inconsistent uh, Christians do cause a lot of people, especially those on the outside who aren't believers yet, to question, is, 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 there, is God real? Because they didn't see him in our life. And maybe it was just for that moment. So what do you do if somebody's hurt you? If you're a Christian or, or if you're somebody that's watching right now online and you're not a believer... And you're like, I don't know if I can believe because I've seen Christians. Well, h- how do you handle that? Well, here are some things that, that help. Um, I think we begin by saying this, is that Christ is the only one that's perfect, and he saves sinners. That's the whole point. And if that's the case, then we shouldn't expect the church to be a place full of perfect people. We should expect the church to be full of sinners being redeemed, which means that as we grow in faith, we're going to grow, and, and God shall increase our, 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 the, the, our character and things will be great. But as we grow in faith, we're not going to do it perfectly. Have you ever known a human child that just grew up with ever making a mis- never making a mistake? Well, we're God's children. We're not always going to be perfect. And to recognize that that's that very thing that may drive you crazy about Christians is the very thing that allows the church to be open to you as well. Because you're not perfect. And there is grace. You know, I think we find that the, 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 the father in the story, he had that example. He had that same thing where he took his son to Christians, followers of Jesus, and they let him down. They healed everybody else's son, but they didn't heal his. And so what does he do with that? Well, he's like, I'm going to come to God. <laughs> I'm going to come to Jesus. I'm going to tell him that you did heal. And so when we have those, uh, those times where Christians hurt us and things we could do, following the Father's example, is this. First, give Jesus a chance, right? When the followers and the disciples let you down, go to Jesus because he actually is perfect. When we have trouble in our life, recognize that sometimes Christians aren't going to represent Jesus perfectly, but Jesus always will represent himself perfectly. So give Jesus a chance. Go to him. 
And that's what the father in this story did, right? He didn't just leave when the disciples couldn't help. He's a voice called out from the crowd and said, there's why the commotion. Also, in that, remember that no Christians are perfect. It's not an excuse for their imperfection. It's the reason why they need Jesus too and why it's so important that God is slowly sanctifying us, changing us. So in the midst of that, extend grace and forgiveness because that's why you're going to Jesus as well, most likely, is you're going to God saying, I need help. And as we do that, then I think we need to reconnect in a better fellowship, right? To say, if we are around, if you are surrounding yourself with Christians who have a horrible testimony that are always, <laughs> you know, doing things poorly, I think you need, something needs to change in that. That's not a good way for Christians to be. And so one of the things to do is to say, I need to then be around also maybe some Christians that I respect, that have a better testimony, that I can see Christ more clearly in them. doesn't mean you abandon everybody else, but, it, but sometimes if you're, maybe you're watching, maybe the church that you've been in has been very abusive to you, change the fellowship. Or if you are at a place where you said in the past, I couldn't go to a church because the church years ago I was in wounded me so badly I could never go to a church. That's crazy. It's like saying I went to McDonald's once and I had a bad French fry and so I could never go to a restaurant ever again. That's crazy. Find a better fellowship. You can do that. There's a lot of healthy churches. I would like to think that we're one. Perfect? No. But I think part of it is to say, I need to make sure that if I'm around, imperfect Christians are causing me doubt, surround yourself with some that have genuine faith as they're walking in that and give Christ a chance in this. The fourth thing that we have here is uh, spiritual dryness. This is a cause oftentimes of Christians when they, they grow in faith for a while and then they stop feeling God's presence and then they're like, uh, where is God? And they feel that absence. So when we don't feel God or hear God or see God active in our life, then oftentimes we doubt his presence or his love for us anymore. We're what we call a spiritual desert. And so in those times, oftentimes we doubt his love, his character, his existence even. Psalm 22.1, you might be happy to know that uh, King David felt this way from time to time if you're there. He said, Psalm 22, King David wrote, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? This is King David, a man after God's own heart. You read about him in the story. Even the great heroes of faith at times felt spiritually dry. In fact, even Jesus himself, God himself, quotes this passage when he was hanging on the cross. And I would say the father, as he brought his son to be healed, and he wasn't, probably felt this way. I mean, his son had demons for years. Where was God? And then he brings them to the, the Messiah, and at first, he wasn't able to be healed. When God feels far away, oftentimes we feel far away from God. So if you're facing spiritual dryness, keep seeking Christ. That's the solution. If you are in a desert, right, you have some, some options. You can either just sit down and die, right, or you can walk towards where you think water is, right? That's your, that's your solution. Don't give up. Continue to walk through it, knowing that God is with you. God's really good at carrying his people through deserts, by the way. And as you go through, know you're in good company. All the great people of faith have, have gone through the deserts, have gone through spiritual dryness. Abraham, David, Esther, even Jesus himself. So remember, faith is, is more than just a feeling. That feelings come and go. When you're on the mountaintop, again, you're going to feel like God is so real. But our faith is so much more than a feeling. Our God is so much more than that. He is a reality. He exists and he is with us. And his love is not contingent upon how you feel from day to day. 
And know this, that God oftentimes allows us to go through the desert because that's where we grow. That's where we find our, our dependence upon him. That's where everything else in life kind of falls away and all those false idols that we've centered our life on, we actually let go. So the desert is, is oftentimes a chance for us to grow, a chance for us to meet God, which is why in Scripture, deserts are often the place where God and his people come together. The fifth cause of, of doubt is reoccurring sin. And this isn't so much that we doubt God's goodness, but we doubt our own. Will God love me? And these are sins that are hard to root out. And I know that right now in the pandemic, a lot of folks being stuck at home, there are things, sins that maybe in addictions and stuff like that that people have years ago kind of dealt with and kind of put away. But now having all of the stress of, of the economy, of the stress of being home or the change of things have, have caused a lot of reoccurring sins to kind of maybe flare back up and you're fighting battles that you didn't think you had to fight. It's hard. And they make you feel like a hypocrite. Like we talked about before, you don't want to be a Christian with a bad testimony and feel like this horrible person and all that kind of stuff. And oftentimes you're like, I doubt how could God, God's presence in my life, I, how am I still suffering with this? Where is his power? You ever felt like that? They make us exhausted, those reoccurring sins. Right? As Christians, we want to overcome them, but we get tired of fighting and losing. So sometimes we just want to give up. And sometimes we do give up. You're not the only one. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote Romans chapter 7. He says this, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Doubt. This is the Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Greatest evangelist. Struggled with doubt. I can't. I got these reoccurring sins, this brokenness inside, and I want to overcome and I can't. Who can help me? In the midst of his doubt, he turns to faith, belief. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, we're saved by God's grace, not by our works. And grace, the Greek word for grace, is charis, which is where we get the English word charity. Grace is God's charity towards us. He gives it to us freely. He doesn't ask anything back in return. He doesn't give it because we deserve it. He gives it to us because we need it, and he loves us. And so in the midst of brokenness, if you have a sin that is just coming back into your life and you feel like a failure all over again, allow God's grace, his charity to fill you and to lift you through this. He will. And God's love for you is not contingent upon anything you've done today. In fact, he knew your name before he even created the universe, and he called you to be his child. And he loves you, and he's not surprised about today, and he's bigger than it. And so in the midst of our sin, we can turn to him. So if you're struggling with reoccurring sin, don't give up. Receive grace and repentance. Continue, don't give up. Just today, fight uh, the momentary battles, not the war, right? That's huge. You may not overcome your entire sin today, but maybe for this moment you can resist and the next minute you can resist and connect with others for the support and accountability. So today we covered some big things about doubt, and I hope it was helpful. Five things that we have is that doubt is normal, okay? Doubt is normal. <laughs> Get that. That uh, doubt is not a sin. Unbelief is a sin, so we want to make sure that we turn to God in the midst of our doubt. The doubt has to be dealt with honestly as we have our doubts, that we want to be honest with God about them. That uh, doubt is an opportunity for faith to grow. So as we have doubts, know that God's not abandoning you, but he's allowing you to grow through them. And that uh, doubt, all of our doubts are always this, every single time, countered by belief. And belief is choosing to trust God in the midst of it, all the way through it, and he will carry you out of it.
And so that's what we have today uh, in the message. I hope it was encouraging for you. Some things I want to ask you to do is uh, to put some practice to this, uh, ap- um, practical things. The first one, uh, why don't you memorize Romans 8.18? Because if you're facing doubt today, what a great reminder that the sufferings that you're going through today pale in comparison to what's coming next. It's a reminder of faith. Also, why don't you read the book of Mark? I grade you a little passage from Mark. Why don't you get the whole thing? It's one, it'll show you the heart and the ministry of Christ, the power of Jesus to overcome all those things. You also want to pray for faith. And if you are feeling full of faith today, can you pray for the faith of others and for us in our church and our community? Because I think there are a lot of us that are struggling with doubt right now in the midst of this difficult time. Or maybe for you, the thing that you need to do is to choose to believe. To say, I have doubts, I'm going to be honest with them, but I'm going to turn to God, I'm going to trust Him even in this. I'm going to trust Him. So hopefully, some one of those things that you can do, uh, as I bring this time to a close, would you please just join me as I, as I pray for you? Let's do. Father God, we thank you for the truth of your presence and your power, and Father, the goodness of your word, that uh, Lord, even in the midst of our difficulties and the hardships of life, that you are there. You do not abandon us, uh, even with our doubt. In fact, you don't even shame us for our doubt, but you invite us to trust you with greater faith. I'm so grateful for the story that you allowed to be recorded in, in Matthew 9 of this father and this, this young man. That not only did you overcome doubt with faith, but you also you cast the demon out. You showed compassion. You brought him to the other side. Father, I pray that you would do that for us. In the midst of this time, this hardship, this brokenness that we go through as a, as a church and as a nation, Father, that as we go through this time, that we would draw closer to you. Our faith would be strengthened. Father, that you would... Uh, build your church in this. But also, Father, we pray that you would then also restore and, and destroy this virus and to heal our economy and our land as you grow us as your people. So, Father, I pray for the commitments we made today. Help us to keep those and to grow in you. And, Lord, I pray that soon you will draw us back together so we can worship you all uh, as your church family. And pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morning, all sins they are many, His mercy is would wait as we constantly roam what father so tender is calling us home he welcomes the weakest the vilest and poor our sins they are many 
Again, thank you for being with us this morning as we discover living hope even through our doubts. And I want to thank you for being with us. And just again, we really miss you guys. And we're looking forward to joining back together. And so if you haven't had an opportunity yet to do so, uh, before you leave, would you please go to our website, funchurch.com, the homepage there, and just fill out that quick survey, the, uh, the back in-person form uh, that would allow us to make some plans because we really do want to be able to uh, open up in a good and a right way. So please take a moment to do that. If you haven't had a chance to make your offering yet, you can also do that on our website, the, the homepage, funchurch.com. Just click the Give button. Um, and if you haven't uh, had a chance to fill out your connection card, we would love to hear from you. If you have any prayer requests, please let us know. Uh, that's pretty much all that we have with that. And I want to, again, invite you to join me tomorrow morning uh, for our Take 5 uh, daily as we uh, get together each weekday morning for a little encouragement, some inspiration, and, of course, to pray. And so that should be about 8 o'clock, and we post those on our Facebook and our YouTube channel. Uh, we look forward to seeing you all again. Until then, well, God bless you.